Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. The NFL Draft is three weeks away. Who might be on the Steelers' radar? Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will be one of our guests. A local roller hockey tournament is set to benefit a young boy battling cancer in Dubois. What's it all about, and how can you help? Only four games remain in the Penguins' regular season. The team finds itself in unfamiliar territory on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Will they get in? Paul Steigerwald will join us to provide his thoughts. I'm Dave Glass. And I'm Bob Anderson. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go. Under review on Connect FM, your only local news radio. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome back to Under Review. It's April. It's one of my favorite months of the year. There's a lot going on and a lot to look forward to, especially in the sports world. Baseball is back. The NHL playoffs are set to begin. The NFL draft is right around the corner. The Masters is this weekend. Which of those are you most excited about, Dave Glass? Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm with you. April and in, in October are probably my two favorite sports months, but I like April a little bit better because I'm a spring guy. I'm not a fall guy because, you know, like today, 80 degrees. It's awesome out. You know, you feel like you should be outside. You feel like you should be playing golf or doing something. So right. um, in deference to my grandfather, I've always loved Masters Week. I, I started to really like golf at, at his side watching this tournament, you know, a lot, I think on Easter Sundays a lot, which we're going to get this year, which isn't always the case. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm kind of excited about what I'm seeing out of the Pirates, and I'm not at all excited about what I'm seeing out of the Penguins. Yeah, and that's a rare thing. Usually I'm like super excited for playoff hockey. This year, not so much. Uh, for me, it's the NFL draft, and I'm really looking forward to talking to Ray Fittipaldo here in a little bit about that. But you may have noticed we have one less familiar voice in the uh, studio tonight, but we did bring in a pinch hitter for Dave Herzing for our first segment tonight, and uh, it's somebody I know pretty well, Summer Anderson. Thank you for joining us. What is your favorite of those uh, options in April, sports-wise? Well, thank you guys for having me on, first of all. And I have to say the Masters. I love golf, and it's actually one of the few sports I actually like watching on TV. I, I hear you on that. Um, do you have a favorite in the tournament this weekend? You know, I was studying the list before. I, I don't know. I just enjoy watching them all play the game. They have just such a – it's so amazing watching these guys take such a hard game and make it look so easy. And on that course, it is just – it's just amazing. So I kind of root for all of them in a way, but I don't really pick any until they get through the cut. I hear you. Um, Rory's going for his career grand slam. He's had nine tries. So can he can he break through? What do you think, Dave? I mean, he's been playing pretty well. I, I just like John Rom's game for this course a lot. So, I, but you know, it could be Rory, it could be Rom, it could be. There's a number of guys. It could be. I mean, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, there's a lot of. It's a good track for that kind of a player, and we'll, we'll just. I'm looking forward to seeing, especially the changes. Like on 13, they've turned that into a little bit harder hole. So I'll be interested to see what kind of second shots they have in. All right. Well, Summer, uh, we brought you in tonight to talk a little bit about how sports can come together to help people in our community. So you and I and Dave has helped as well. We've been holding what's called the Randy Carlson Memorial Tournament 
uh, roller hockey tournament for a long time. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the history of the tournament? Yes, uh, we've been doing this tournament oh geez, since like you know around 2011, 2012, and it started out as a very just simple tournament. We just you know got together got some prizes together down when we played in Reynoldsville and just tried to raise money for a local cancer-related cause. It actually started out, we raised funds for the American Cancer Society, but someone brought up, could you, you know, maybe raise it for somebody local? And so over time, we just did those little things and we gave it either to somebody that we knew personally or somebody in the local area that has been personally affected by cancer. And the last few years, not only just due to COVID, but also because of Brockway had opened their own uh a nice outdoor rink. We moved uh, everything down there. About 2021 was our first year down there. And since, well, even before then, the tournament itself has just grown immensely, not just for the hockey community, but just, you know, really the community itself is coming together for a family that has something like cancer affecting them. And who is the beneficiary this year? It's a 10-year-old boy named Mason Dintiman. He goes to Oklahoma right now, and he is currently going he's currently going through treatments and he will be going through treatments i believe for the next you know few years and did you say the date on that tournament it would it's going to be saturday may 20th and we're going to be down at the brockway outdoor rink which is right across from the their pool yeah and that is open to the public so anybody can stop by how can our listeners help uh mason and his family well they can find us on facebook we have a facebook page randy carlson memorial tournament you can find us there i always tell people they can reach out to me personally um i not afraid to let them know my cell phone, which is, you know, 814-590-5408. You know, if you want to get do a, a, a donation such as a prize that we can, you know, have at the event, that's our big moneymaker is a, you know, we have a lot of great prizes people can put in to try to win. That is, like I said, where we raise most of our funds. So if you would like to donate something, we would, we'd love to have that. And you can reach out to me at any time to do that. Well, I, I just want to say I've been a small part of this as a referee uh, over the years. And, and the things that amaze me the most, number one, people don't realize what a, a vibrant roller hockey community we have. Yeah. I mean, it was already pretty good at Reynoldsville and Brockway, what they've done. And if people can go down there and see that facility, yep. it's just amazing what they've been able to do. Um, and it, it, it's just a wonderful facility. And what you guys are doing, both of you, uh, to, for, to help these kids, uh, you know, my hat's off to you. It, it's amazing the amount of money. I, I forget the one year how much money we raised, but yeah. it was amazing. Our tops has been $8,000. $8,000 in one tournament. Yeah. And, and it's through the donations and all the players come and they put in for the the auction and uh yeah and and the other thing i would say to folks if you can't remember the number you can call into the station and i'm sure they'll get you to the right place um and those who know me you can contact me too and i'll certainly get you to bob or bob or summer and we'll uh get everything taken care of but what a wonderful cause and uh, what's your favorite part of it my favorite part well honestly it's just it's not only just getting like all the prizes together but it's also the day of when i see just the community come together, like all the players and their families, they come, they are like, what can we do to help? They Some bring drinks, some help us set up. And even throughout the day, they're just doing, what can we do to help you? They're you know, telling people about coming down or they're putting in tickets for their family. I mean, it is just such a, an amazing community effort to see it all come into play on that day of the tournament. And then knowing and meeting the family that they'll, sometimes the families will come down and meeting them and just just seeing how this means so much to them really makes a big impact on us. Yeah. So we'd love to have you there May 20th and, um, you know, you'll get to see some good hockey and help a great cause. And 
And there's a, a whole outdoor event going yeah. on that day. There's going to be food trucks down there. So there's going to be a lot happening in Brockway on May 20th for this roller hockey tournament. And one, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Bob, is for, for those who aren't familiar with it, what, what's the format? Yeah, so we play what's called an Ironman tournament there, which means there are no subs. They're short games, but, uh, you know, we get probably almost 15 teams yeah. from all over the, you know, western Pennsylvania area. And uh, basically, you just play a round robin. That determines your seating in a playoff. And then you just play till you lose at that point. It's a hard tournament to, to win because yeah. there's a lot of talent. But uh, it's not about winning the tournament that day. It's about helping you know, Mason and his family. So uh, anybody who can help, we would really, really appreciate it. So speaking of hockey in summer, you can stick around for this. <laughs> Let's talk about the Penguins. Um, there's one week to go about in the regular season. There's only four games left for the Pens. And, are, you know, they're one point out of the playoff race right now. Florida has surpassed them with 87 points. The Islanders have 87 points. The Penguins have 86 Buffalo's a little behind with 81 points. They have a couple extra games, though. So, Dave, are the Penguins going to get in? Man, we've been. It feels like ever since we started this 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 broadcast a few you know month ago, this is the question: Oh, they're looking great. Oh, they're looking terrible. Oh, they're looking great. And this time we get both within the span of a week because. They looked pretty good over the weekend. I mean, they, they really had a shot to beat Boston, and then they took care of business on, on Sunday. And it's like, okay, they're in pretty good shape. And then they, last night, just absolutely got mauled by New Jersey. That wasn't even close. And and not only did they lose badly, they got skated off the rink. I mean, they, they got outplayed, outskated, and, and they looked old. And... The schedule is still in their favor. They play yeah. a lot of weak teams to, to, to end the season. But, I mean, I come back to, do you even want them to make it? I mean, <laughs> these numbers, Florida and the Islanders, both are plus 13 in goal differential. Pittsburgh is minus five. When you have a minus goal differential, you're, you're not a good team. You're just not. I agree with you. I I don't know. I mean, they might squeak in, but then what's going to happen? It, it Last <laughs> night's game was a tale of two teams going in different directions. The, the Devils, they look like the – penguins did four or five years ago skating with speed penguins just kind of look a little bit old right now uh summer you think they'll get in oh boy i don't know i i think they will i think pittsburgh seems to have luck on their side for all their sports or some years it's like man that really only happened because this team lost you know so i i think they'll i think they'll get in and it's crazy that the you know Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have had great seasons really if you look at it they've both been over a point per game and, and healthy penguins, and, and healthy. healthy and they're still maybe not going to make the playoffs and you know we'll, we'll get into this in the, the our hashtag get lost i think but that you have to take it back to the gm i mean you've got a top six that's been by and large healthy all year and producing i think we have the most 20 goal scorers in the league but the bottom six is horrible the defense is flawed and there seems to be no chemistry and he's messed up the salary cap again so yeah i, I i'm not a fan of hextall I agree. <laughs> All right, so our uh, another guest here is my daughter, and she wants to take us to the break. So, Autumn, can you tell everybody that what what we're going to be listening to when we get back? Oh, she got camera shy here. So, when we return, we're going to hear from Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Stay with us on Connect FM under Review Sports Talk.
We're doing our annual spring cleaning, and my hubby has boxes and boxes of old baseball cards. Take them to Wolf's Den Sports Cards and Collectibles. My dad passed, and he was an avid baseball and football card collector. I have no clue what they're worth. Wolf's Den Sports Cards and Collectibles does. They buy, sell, and trade cards and collectibles and are especially interested in older cards. Bring them in Mondays and Fridays from 5 till 8 or by appointment. 814-771-5618. Main Street, Reynoldsville and Wolf's Den Sports 21 on Facebook. Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports, you love extreme sports, or you work in hazardous construction zones, you need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Commons Drive to Boys and at MyWiseEyes.com. Yardworks makes your backyard dreams come true. With landscaping and hardscaping services to create your own oasis. Get custom outdoor kitchens for as low as $75 a month. A spacious patio with fire pit, fully landscaped, and lighting as low as $175 per month. And a pavilion for just $75 a month. All hardscaping is backed by an industry-leading 72-month warranty. Pre-qualify and get the details at yardworkco.com. Serving the Tri-County area, get an estimate today. Yardworkco.com, PA6025. Shop local, buy local, Hi, I'm Jenny, the manager over at your Big Deals online store. Did you know that when you shop locally, 83 cents of that dollar stays in town? Local businesses are the lifeblood of our community, and that's why you should shop your Big Deals online store. Dozens of gift certificates to local businesses, all in one convenient place. Shop local from the convenience of your home or smartphone. Visit DuboisBigDeals.com. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. All right, that was my kids. I guess it's bring your kids to work day here. But uh, we have a special guest with us uh, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray Fittipaldo covers the Steelers and... Ray, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How about you tonight? Oh, we're great. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit of Steelers with you here. They've had a pretty busy offseason to date. Sort of uncharacteristic, it seems. So I've got a two-part question for you. Have you learned anything about the new regime's team-building philosophy by the types of players they've added so far? And which of the acquisitions or re-signings do you think will have the greatest impact on the team this year? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, new assistant GM Andy Weidel, who I think is largely in charge of the personnel, you know, Omar Khan is is going to sign off on these things, but Andy was pretty much brought in here to, to run the personnel department, and he likes to build his football teams from the inside out. So I think you've seen that with some of these signings. Um, Isaac Sayumalu from the Eagles, Nate Herbig um, from the Eagles, um, Nose tackle Brandon Fehoko from the Chargers. You know, none of these guys are, um, you know, big time names or really commanded big money. I know Sayamalu is making eight million a year, but you know, none of these guys are the quote unquote splash signings. But I think they speak to what Andy Wyatt wants to get done with his football team, and that's building um, in the trenches and from the inside out. 
No, as, you know, as far as the guy who's going to make the biggest impact, you know, I think Patrick Peterson is the biggest name. And I think, here's how I think he could have the biggest impact. I think we all know they're going to draft a cornerback, and they're going to draft a cornerback pretty high, probably at 17 or 32. Um, and if they do that, you know, the, the new, the, the rookie's mentor is going to be Patrick Peterson. And Patrick Peterson might only be here for a year, two years max. You know, he's 33 years old. But I think a guy who has done it at his level, you know, an, an all-pro, a future Hall of Famer really can have an impact on this next generation of Steelers cornerbacks. So I think in that way, even though he's past his prime, I think Peterson, um, you know, could be in the end the biggest signing for the Steelers this offseason. Yeah, and I was reading your latest mock draft, and you had the Steelers, um, I guess, not content in the in on the offensive line because you took uh, Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee, in the first round. And I'm kind of on the same page here. I'm hoping the Steelers do address that tackle position. But it seems like there's a top, clear top three and then maybe a little drop-off into Tier 2. Do you think Wright is worthy of the 17th pick, or, or you know, is he going to be a little bit of a reach there in the first round? Yeah, I don't know that he would be a reach. I, you know, I think the issue with Wright is a lot of people, um, you know, the draft analysts, and I, I think some people in the NFL circles – Feel that he's only a right tackle, and I, I think the big three: Skaronski, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. Those guys are left tackles, and I think you know we all know those guys get paid more money because they're protecting the blind side, um, you know, your future, um, you know, franchise quarterback. So I think in that way, I think right maybe might be just a step down from those guys. But I saw Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network today. Uh, he released his new uh, top fifty prospects in this draft. And he actually had Darnell Wright second, I think, after Skaronsky. Hmm. So it was Skaronsky, Wright, and then it was Johnson and Jones. And all those guys were among his top 17. Roderick Jones was 17, which is interesting because that's where the Steelers pick. So, you know, I mean, if you're thinking an offensive tackle isn't going to be in range for the Steelers, I think, you know, Jeremiah's pretty good at his job. He's talking to a lot of these people who are – who are making these decisions, um, they might be able to get a tackle in the first round, and it could be Wright or Jones or one of those guys who you know are getting a lot of hype here this spring. Well, uh, switching sides to the uh, defensive line, uh, you, you know, you mentioned that they they made a, you know at least one upgrade there. I've seen various reports that that sort of speculate or pseudo connect them to Bud Dupree, since it looks like he's going to be cut by Tennessee. You know, obviously he had his probably his greatest success here. Do you think that that would be a wise uh, path for them to pursue, or do you think they should uh, just strictly look to the draft from here? Well, I think they could do both. I mean, listen, before we get to Dupree, this is a really, really good year for edge rushers in the NFL, and. Um, if they wanted to invest a top 80, um, you know, pick in, in an edge rusher, their chances of finding a, a, a good one, um, you know, it's pretty decent. I mean, this you, you can find starter caliber players, um, I, I think, in the first two and a half, three rounds of this draft. So that will definitely be an option for the Steelers one way or the other. Now, listen, if, if they come to terms with Dupree before the draft, then, you know, they'd probably think twice, you know, do we really need, um, you know, a fourth outside linebacker who's going to be looking for snaps? I mean, that's something they're going to have to figure out here in the next couple of weeks before the draft. But 
you remember last year, um, I think it was a day or two before the draft, they re-signed Terrell Edmonds, and that took safety out of the picture for them. They didn't have to go get a safety in the draft. So maybe look for something similar this year with Dupree. If they get that done the week of the draft, and they probably won't have to use a pick on an edge rusher, but if they don't, I think edge rusher is a pretty good possibility. And uh, staying on the defensive line and going inside, I, I, I've been a Cam Hayward fan since the day he was drafted. I think he's been a great stealer, but he is 33 years old. He didn't show much shine of, of slowing down last year, but I think we can agree that at his age, it can happen pretty fast. Do you think that they should prioritize an interior lineman just even as, as insurance for him? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you're right. He, he's, he's showing no signs. Um, of slowing down here, um, even at his advanced age. So they're going to ride him as long as they can. But, you know, it's not just about the player falling off. It's also about injuries. And I think injuries become more common as you get into your mid to late 30s. So, yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think it's, it's a priority in this draft. I think, you know, just unfortunately for the Steelers and, and for a lot of teams um, this year, this isn't a terribly deep draft for defensive tackles it's much better on the edge you know you get those defensive ends slash outside linebackers those guys are plentiful this draft um the interior guys you know the the cam hayward types you know the you know if you want to think back to previous Steelers teams aaron smith types those guys are come um are, are harder to come by this draft so um if they're going to take one of those guys i think it's probably going to be at 17 or 32 um, you know, I, I just don't think it's deep enough. If they wait till middle of the second round, they might not be able to get their guy this year. Ray Fittipaldo is our guest from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're talking Steelers. Hey, Jalen Carter, he's the big defensive lineman from Georgia. He was a consensus, probably top player coming into the draft. And through the process, it seems like his stock just continues to fall for off-field reasons. Um there's even speculation, and I've seen some mock drafts where he falls to 17. Do you think that there's any likelihood that that could happen? And if he were there at 17, do you think the Steelers pounce? Well, I mean, covering football for as long as I have, I've come to realize that, you know, you never take anything um, for granted. I mean, this guy, <clears throat> excuse me, was the number one prospect. He had the off-field issues. You know, I was at the Combine when – he had to go back to Georgia and turn himself in. And then I saw, like, two weeks later, um, you know, this happened, uh, I think, late March, mid-March. Georgia had its pro day, and he didn't even finish his workout. He was out of shape. So that's two strikes against him. So I, I understand it, where teams in the top ten are starting to, you know, do their homework a little bit more. I think what, what once was like a slam-dunk top ten pick may not be now. But, guys, I mean, for him to get to 17, um, you know, I think that would be a major red flag for um, for Jalen Carter. And I don't even – like, for for my money, if he slips out of the top 10, I could see him slipping all the way out of the first round, right? Mm -hmm. Because he is that talented. And I think if he falls out of the top 10, I think teams are going to have the book on him. And, um, you know, he might have to wait until late first round, early second round to hear his name called. 
I, I want to switch teams and, and stay obviously in the division, but uh, obviously all the intrigue going on in, in Baltimore. What, what do you think is going to happen there? Are, are they going to come to terms or is he going to force his way out? I mean, and if, and if he does leave, I mean, how far back do you really think that sets the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like the tide is turning a bit here where it seems like um, they're going to go in a different direction. The Ravens had their pre-draft press conference today with their GM and, and head coach uh, John Harbaugh. And, uh, you know, DaCosta said they are approaching this draft in a different manner than they have in years past because, you know, they have to scout um, quarterbacks, um, you know, with the possibility that Lamar won't play for them this year. So, um you know, I, I think this is going to happen more and more, guys. As as players um, begin to understand their worth, um, and I'm not saying Jackson's doing the right thing by trying to negotiate his contract, this contract himself. It's obviously been an issue for him. But you know, whether he has an agent or whether he's not, um, this Deshaun Watson deal is going to be problematic for all the NFL owners. And it just so happens that Jackson was the first one. Who had to negotiate a contract, um, you know, after the Watson deal? So um, it seems like they're going to go in a different direction. I, you know, I, I think maybe we'll find something out in the next couple of weeks as far as a trade goes in the draft. Um, but listen, it doesn't whether it's the Ravens or any other team. I don't think NFL teams are lining up wanting to pay Lamar Jackson fifty million dollars a year the way he wants to be paid. Well, and, and you stole my, my follow-up question, and, and, and I was going there with the, with Watson and the Cleveland Browns, and I just have to imagine, and, and I am four players getting paid and getting their worth, and I, I'm not really, I don't like the fact that they're not guaranteed contracts, but having said that, I just never will understand why the one player that a team picked to do that with was Watson coming off all of his issues, and I would have to imagine, and you probably are closer to it than than anybody here, that the rest of the league was just furious with Cleveland for for setting that precedent and setting up this situation. You're definitely right about that, and I think you can see that with what's going on now. You know, I'm not going to call it collusion because that's hard to prove, and the NFLPA is going to have a hard time um, proving that, even though they they think that's what's going on. You know, I think the reason behind it is it's the Cleveland Browns, and they have been desperate for a quarterback. Um, really, going back to the days when they when they became an, uh, an expansion um, franchise again. You know, they they struck out with Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, it, it's been a carousel for them with quarterbacks, really, for the last twenty years or so since they've been back in the NFL. So, um, you know, I, I think Jim Haslam and, and the front office there are kind of panicked. Um, you know, we'll see what Watson does this year. I, I'm, I'm willing to give Watson the benefit of the doubt about last year, you know, coming in midseason. And, you know, I didn't think he played very well. But with an off season to practice and to, to maybe um, get better acclimated to that situation, um, you know, maybe he'll be a little bit better. But even if he is, I still don't know if he's worth $50 million a year. Hey, Ray, we got about one minute left in our segment, but I wanted to throw just a few quick hitters at you. Get your predictions yep. on the draft. Uh, true or false, Bijan Robinson will be taken before the Steelers pick at 17. Mm, that's a good question. I will say true. How many receivers will be taken before the Steelers pick at 17? Mm, I'll say two. Okay. And how many quarterbacks? Ooh, uh, I'll say four. I think Richardson um, will end up going. So, yeah, I'll say four. And the Steelers will take a wide receiver on day one or two of the draft, true or false? 
Ooh, uh, I will say true, but probably more so day two. All right, Ray. Hey, that was great having you on. We appreciate it. Hope to have you again sometime. Absolutely. Let's do it again, guys. Appreciate it. Okay. Great stuff. Take Thank care. you. Shankles Pharmacy. Caring for you is what we do. Caring for each and every customer and their needs is the foundation of what Shankles Pharmacy is all about. Locally owned and operated by Tom Falzer, Shankles is committed to finding the health care products and services that you need. Being local, Tom and the pharmacists and staff at Shankles really get to know you and your family. West Long Avenue, Dubois, and ShanklesPharmacy.com. Caring for you is what we do. This is Kurt from Kurt Johnson Auto Sales and Service. Sales are great, and my biggest challenge is buying cars. Auctions are dead. We want to buy from local people just like you. Most of my day is working with sellers, and this is what I hear from their experiences on the national sites. Their offer was low. I have to take my car two hours from here. I have to wait for the money, and I just don't feel comfortable with them. We make it super easy at Kurt Johnson Auto Sales. Call me direct and tell me about your car, or go to our website and get a value in minutes with just your VIN or license plate number. We are proud to be an official Kelly Blue Book buying center. They calculate the value. We just inspect it and write the check. Easy peasy. One more thing. If you can't come to us, we come to you. Check us out. Kurt Johnson Auto Sales and Service in downtown Dubois. Voted Tri-County's best nine years running. Hey, Pirates fans. Fireworks nights are back at PNC Park. And this year, we're going all in. Join us at PNC Park on Saturday, April 8th. After the Bucks take on the White Sox at 635, we're going to light up that beautiful Pittsburgh skyline with an epic Zimbelli fireworks display, courtesy of our friends at 93.7 The Fan. Get your tickets today on the MLB Ballpark app or at pirates.com slash fireworks. Trust us, you don't want to miss it. I'm Dan Kennard, and this is the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and wise eyes at the Dubois Commons. Spring sports really into full swing across District 9, and we're going to get you caught up to date. We're going to backtrack to last Wednesday and uh, take a look at all of the action that took place in baseball, softball, and boys' tennis in the past week. So back to Wednesday, March the 29th, in some District 9 baseball action. Dubois came out a 3-2 winner over Indiana, and it was Cameron County needing an extra inning to knock off Brockway 6-5. All also last Wednesday, Warren a 5-3 winner over St. Mary's. On the softball field, it was uh, Elk County Catholic putting together a 19-3 win over Brockway. Then moving to Thursday, March 30th in baseball action, Brockway a 9-4 winner over Bradford. Johnsonburg got past Dubois Central Catholic in extra innings, 11-9. Holidaysburg downed Clearfield, 15-5. It was Williamsburg beating Kerwinsville, 8-5. Softball matches on Thursday, March 30th. Dubois Central Catholic shutting out Johnsonburg 15 to nothing. Kerwinsville blanked Williamsburg 7 to nothing. 
Several boys' tennis matches on that day last Thursday. Dubois Central Catholic beating Dubois 6-1. Punxsutawney got past Brockway 5-2. Bradford a 5-2 winner over St. Mary's. Then Friday, March 31st, one baseball game to check up on. That was Punxsutawney. The Chucks taking care of Indiana 4-1. On Saturday, Dubois played Warren in softball action. And Dubois winning that one 9-1. One. As we head into this week, a lot of baseball action on Monday. Johnsonburg knocked off Brockway 8-3. Red Bank Valley slipped past Brookville 2-1. Tyrone a 4-3 winner over Clearfield's Baseball Bison. Punxsutawney getting a 13-2 win over Dubois Central Catholic in five innings. Punxsy with seven runs in the first inning. And St. Mary's notched an 8-2 win over Elk County Catholic on Monday. In a number of softball games played Monday, Johnsonburg all over Brockway 14-3. It was Brookville getting past Red Bank Valley 5-3. Dubois Central Catholic outhit Glendale 10 to nothing in five innings. Both Jesse Frank and Kaylee Risser went 3-3 three for, three for the Lady Cardinals. St. Mary's got a 5-2 win over Elk County Catholic. St. Mary's had a three-run sixth inning in that one. And Punxsutawney beat up on Carn City 16-7. A boys' tennis match on Monday was a St. Mary's win over Clearfield 4-3. And then on Tuesday, yesterday, Kerwinsville's baseball team beat Bellwood Annis 8-6. Meanwhile, the Dubois Beavers fell to Bald Eagle area 7-2 in softball games yesterday. Clearfield a 9-1 winner over Tyrone. Kerwinsville outslugged Bellwood Annis 6-4. And in boys tennis, Elk County Catholic uh, put together a 5-2 win over St. Mary's. We can wrap up District 9 basketball. The third annual Clarion County YMCA YLD Sports Network All-Star Games were played this past Sunday at the Clarion County YMCA. Clearfield's Cole Miller and Red Bank Valley's Olivia Huffman earned the MVP honors in those games. Miller scored 32 points, leading his team, Team Hartle, to a 123-117 win over Team Cook in the boys' game. Huffman put in 19 points to lead her team, Team Huffman, to an 86-70 win over Team Sheeler. In that boys' game, Brookville's Clayton Cook scored 33 points in a losing effort. Tanner Fox of St. Mary's netted 20 points, and Adam Straub of Elk County Catholic scored 17 points. And in the girls' game, Punxsutawney's Chloe Presloyd finished with 18 points, and Faith Jacob of Dubois Central Catholic scored 15 points. That's this week's local youth sports speed on Connect FM, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. I'm Dan Kennard. Thanks for listening. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. It's our pleasure to welcome our next guest, a guy who has worn many hats over the years with the Pittsburgh Penguins and most notably was a play-by-play announcer for the team, Paul Staggerwald. Staggy, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you doing? We're great. Um, 
Let me start you off with Chris Letang. He played his thousandth game on Sunday. He's had quite the journey up to this point. You think about the talent the guy has, but also the medical ailments that almost derailed his career. Uh, what stands out to you about Chris Letang, his career, any moments, and where do you see him on the all-time list of great Penguin defensemen? Well, as far as moments go, he scored the game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final against San Jose, game six. That was pretty important. Uh, and I also remember an overtime goal he scored against the Washington Capitals in the opening round of that series in 09 on the way to the Cup. But uh, and I remember him in his first training camp uh, and thinking he was a great skater right from the start. We were impressed with him uh, when the Penguins got him. He was undersized in those days, but, uh, you know, with the advent of more mobile defensemen and the emphasis on that, uh, he became the perfect guy for the Penguins uh, to fill that role. And, you know, as time went on, he became a conditioning freak and became probably, if not the most well-conditioned guy in the league, certainly one of the most well-conditioned guys in the NHL. And that's what stands out to me is just how dedicated he is to the game, how much he loves playing the game, and how he'll do anything to play it, including, you know, overcome strokes and and other ailments that he's had, uh, you know, to, to continue to play. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing example of resilience and passion and toughness and, uh, and of course, talent. He's an incredibly talented guy. You know, I think a lot of people forget he was actually in the same draft year as Sidney Crosby. He was the third-round pick in 05, and Sid was the first pick overall in that in that year but uh anyhow let's fast forward a little bit uh the penguins are in a really tight race here and uh it looks like you know with four games remaining they may not get in what do you think staggy are they going to make the playoffs this year well you know that's the it's amazing you can down to four games and you don't know the i can't answer that question really yeah. very confidently we're not used to uh, that it just shows you how no we're not we had this happen to us in 15 when Mike Johnston was the coach before the Penguins won the Cup the following year. Um, but, you know, this is a little different because there's a more competitive situation. The Florida Panthers really are a team that I think everybody thought was going to make the playoffs, and now here they are trying to make it at the end. I think everybody had them penciled in as a team that would after winning the President's Trophy. I mean, they were they were pretty awesome last year. And um, But I think, uh, you know, the, the big thing with the Florida Panthers is that they are right now – seem to be playing better hockey and they have this Alex Lyon and goal who's playing really well for them. They had a big win last night, a tight game, you know, Matthew Kachuk, who the guy they, they acquired in the off season came through for them. So I, I worry about that. And then uh, with the New York Islanders, it's hard to say with them. They're, they're, you know, they're a team that against the Penguins, they look like they're unbeatable, but against other teams, it's not the case. They have trouble scoring goals. So if they can't score here down the stretch, I think they're the team that's vulnerable to the Penguins getting in. And, of course, the Penguins, even if the Penguins win all their games, they're not going to necessarily get in if those other teams win theirs, and that's the problem. And now the Penguins don't control their own destiny. Well, and, and uh, Staggy, when, I, when I've watched a lot of games, obviously you've watched more, but can you remember in the Crosby era a team that was as Jekyll and Hyde with how they, you know, the, not their, I don't want to say their effort because I never questioned their effort under Sullivan, but just their attention to detail within the game. Sometimes they look like they're right on it, and then other games they look like they're just almost in a funk out there with their decision-making. I agree with that. I think a lot of it has to do with who they're playing against. I think that, uh, you know, when they play teams below them in the standings, they're successful. When they play teams above them in the standings, they're not. And I think it has to do with 
how good the other teams are and what kind of problems they pose for them. So it looks like they're making bad decisions, but really what they're doing is, uh, you know, they're just kind of, they're on their heels or they're, uh, they're getting, you know, pressured in a way that makes them make mistakes. And I think there's a lot of that. And then I think also styles make the match. Certain teams give them more problems than others. You know, like I think that a team like the Minnesota Wild, who they play tomorrow night, as much as they are very difficult to play against, it wouldn't surprise me if the Penguins play a really good game against them and look a lot better than they did against the Devils, who have such speed and they get up ice in a hurry and they outskill and outskate the Penguins. So, and that you know that didn't happen a lot over the last fifteen years. Well, but and now oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And they played the Devils last night. They have the third best record in the NHL. So it make they make you look bad, and they make the Penguins look bad. And you're right; they are a Jekyll and Hyde team. It's but they're mediocre. Like let's face it, the Penguins are a mediocre team. They're right in the middle of the pack. Uh, like I said, they beat teams below them, but they lose to teams above them. Uh, all of their numbers suggest that they're, a, they're that they're a mediocre hockey team. And I think they're probably a better team with their healthy, but they haven't been healthy. They have three defensemen in their lineup right now who are basically borderline minor leaguers. And, uh, you know, they're, they're missing three key guys on the blue line. And that, they can't afford that because they're not particularly built for defense anyway. And if they're already, if they're missing key guys and, and exposing some of those other guys that aren't really ready for the prime time, if you will, uh, I think it makes for problems. Well, and, and you talked about how the game has changed since Latang came in, and, and it's become more of a skill-speed game. you know. And, and as you correctly pointed out, not that many years ago, it was the Penguins whose speed was giving the whole league fits, and now we're the ones on the receiving end. <clears throat> we're by far the oldest team in the league. Do you think this is really the end of an era? Is there any way they can retool in a short period of time while Sid is still there and get some of that youth and speed into the, into the lineup? Well, I, I think there's a, probably a way that they could change the makeup of their team a little bit, but, you know, you, you end up with a, a question of philosophy at that point, you know, and, you know, Mike Sullivan came in and he recognized that the Penguins had, you know, high-end skill and they had guys with speed and they could play a certain way, you know, and he hasn't deviated from that. He still pretty much tries to play the same way, but he doesn't any longer have, as you said, the com- competitive advantage of speed. So I, I wonder if there's some adjustments that need to be made in the way that the Penguins play systematically. And if you do that, then who's going to be the coach that does it? Is Mike Sullivan willing to change? And he's got a long-term, like a five-year deal, I think, that kicks in next season. So it's not like they're going to just kick him to the curb. So he's going to, I think he's the one that's going to have to adjust, or there's going to have to be a sort of a meeting of the minds to come up with the, what their philosophy is going to be going forward as they're aging and see if they can't maybe become a better defensive team and put more emphasis on that, because I think that that's really where their problem lies. They're just not a very good defensive team. And Mike Sullivan's brand of defense is really kind of like a good offense. I mean, he's he when the Penguins won the Cup in 16, they were playing like a full-court press, if I could compare it to, to basketball. They really pressured the puck all over the ice. They didn't give teams time to even get out of their own end or get past center ice. And it's totally different now because all the other teams have sort of actually copied what the Penguins did in a way. So now they're victims of their own ideas. And I, I just I just think it's a question of aging and making adjustments to the fact that they are aging and look for players who can still complement those, those stars, but in a different way. Well, Boston's on the way to uh, a heck of a season. I mean, they're a juggernaut. I think they're on pace for historic NHL's regular season. 
Um, there's a good chance if the Penguins do end up in the playoffs, they'll play them. Uh, if you were to take a bet and somebody said, I'll give you the Boston Bruins to make the Stanley Cup finals or any of the other teams in the East, the other seven teams, which side of that coin would you take? The Bruins or the other seven teams? Huh. Um, I think I'd take the Bruins. Yeah. I just think they look like they look like a team of destiny to me. You know, uh, they have all the ingredients. Their goaltender is really good. Uh, they have great leadership. They're playing the game the right way. Now, you know, you know, when you play that style all year and you're successful at it, and you get into the playoffs, and other teams bring their game up another notch, and sometimes you can't really readjust, if you will. But I don't think the Bruins will have that problem. I could be wrong, but uh, the Bruins look like they've got it all together to me. And uh, I just think that uh, they're going to be tough to beat seven games. Oh, definitely. But you have that President's Cup curse. Uh, how about the West? Who yeah, you, like? you do. You do have yeah. that. And, you know, like, you know, the Rangers are pretty good. Tampa's good. You know, there's you know, a lot of good teams, uh, you know. So I don't know. We'll see. Who do you like out West? Um, I like the Edmonton Oilers. My sleeper team out west is the LA Kings. I don't think that they'll go far necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make some noise and upset somebody. Um, uh, I like Edmonton. Colorado's awesome. I, you know, they look like they're capable of turning it on again. Uh, you know, but the Penguins beat them. So they're not, they're not like, you know, uh, infallible. I think it's kind of wide open in the West, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, I do like the Edmonton Oilers because of their high end talent. And, uh, but, you know, I say the Kings, I, I haven't looked at the standings today, but if the Kings play the Oilers, that would be an interesting series. Well, I want to, I want to switch topics a little bit on you, Steige, because you have, you have this huge history with the Penguins and you've, you've basically seen it all since Mario, you know, got us here. And, um, Number one, I want to ask you if you would agree that we, we as Penguins fans since 1984 have pretty much been the most spoiled fan base in terms of the abundance of riches of talent we've seen come through. Um, and two, if, if there's a couple things that really stick out to you, you've been right around this team through all this, and just a couple of things that maybe you can relate that you saw that, that maybe the average fan didn't see. Well, um, man, I've seen so much. I mean... <laughs> It's crazy. Like, you know, one thing that I that stands out to me is just like whenever I first got to the Penguins, uh, and this is, you know, if you remember, Baz Bastine was a general manager. I mean, we're talking 1980. Okay? I've been with the Penguins since that long. And when I got to the Penguins, Baz was the GM, and they fired the coach, Johnny Wilson, right after I got there. And they hired Eddie Johnston. And you look at the impact that he's had on the Penguins because he drafted Mario, right? He's still he's still hanging around, EJ. He like, goes to every game. Uh, you know, and he's, he's privy to a lot of things that go on there. But what stands out in my mind is that EJ was hired by ownership. He wasn't hired by Baz Bastide. And if there's something I've learned over all these years, it's that you have to have a chain of command. And when Mario was the owner with Ron Burkle, it, it, it worked out perfectly. You had the owner, Mario, around. You had Burkle, who was represented by David Morehouse. He was a guy who, you know, represented ownership to hockey, to the hockey side, which was Ray Shiro at first, and then Jim Rutherford. And you had that chain of command. And 
Jim Rutherford brought Mike Sullivan up from the minors, and he won two Stanley Cups, and now he's entrenched, okay? And he's got a five-year deal. So now the next guy that comes along, if Ron Hextall doesn't survive the Penguins' uh, season, which is possible, I'd say, then the guy that comes in will not be a guy who hired Mike Sullivan. And I think that you still have to have that chain of command where the the guy who's the GM has the ability to dismiss the coach if he feels like it, it, it needs to happen. And I think there's a built-in impediment to that with Mike Sullivan being the guy who's already locked into a five-year deal and considered you know, one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the NHL. And I only say that because I don't want to fire Mike Sullivan. I'm just saying I think there's a, an inherent problem when you don't have that chain of command in, in its place the way it should be. Well, Staggy, we could talk to you all day, and it's been a great pleasure to have you on. So we want to thank you and hope we can catch up again sometime. Yeah, anytime. Just give me a call, Bob. No uh, all right. Well, stay with us on Under Review. We'll be back in just a minute. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Scattered thunderstorms likely tonight, otherwise cloudy skies. Lows of a lot around 53, southwesterly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. Overcast skies tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms likely, daytime highs approaching 59. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow night, chance for scattered showers, lows sit down to about 36. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 83. to make your day Michael Clement on Southern Airways I always enjoy it it's always easy it's convenient the staff is wonderful and the pilots have been exceptional they explain things on the flight I always encourage people to fly Southern at Southern Airways we fly to make your day book your flight at iFlySouthern.com what's your call. This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Well, Dave, we've talked uh, hockey, we've talked football, but we haven't talked about the Pirates yet, some baseball, and I know this is right up your wheelhouse. The Pirates are 4-2, and two, and I'm wondering, have you purchased your World Series tickets yet? Well, we should ask your brother about that. I'm sure he's <laughs> probably out there t- you know, putting on Facebook asking that same question. But uh, I do want to sidetrack just a, a minute and say we could have talked to Paul all show long. I had a list of stuff that I wanted to get into. He's got, he's got so much wealth oh, yeah. of history and knowledge there, and we got to have him back. And, oh, and I sure. want to thank both him. I mean, how lucky are we? We got Staggy and we got Greg Brown. I mean, this is for, you know, for us as fans, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, so that's been great. And, uh, but let, back to these pirates, I, I did, I've, I've been, I've watched every game. Now I did not get to finish today's game. I, I got about halfway through it before I came over here, but I did see the fine, you know, that they won. So, um, I, I, a couple things. Number one, my second favorite team is Boston. So I, I've been watching, I've been watching what Boston did and Boston is horrible. 
Boston's starting pitching is a disaster and they're probably going to lose 90 games. Having said that, this is exactly the kind of series that I don't care who they were playing. Pittsburgh has generally not done this well. And they got a lot of great things. They got strong starting pitching in these last two games. Uh, they got power. You know, Brian Reynolds is off to a, a, mm. a tremendous start. Um, they're, they're doing the little things today. They won because they were moving runners over with bunts and good base running, small except ball. for, yeah, a lot more small ball. And I want to get into the rules stuff. We'll get into that later, but I don't really think this team is, is a, is a 500 or better team. There's still too many holes, but they're fun. They're fun to watch. Even the games in, and there was one game in Cincy. I'm like, Oh, this wasn't that great. But other than that, it, it, it's been interesting. And you see these young players and you see the adjustments and you see how they're growing and maturing and, and it is, I'm more excited about Pirates than Penguins. And that hasn't happened in oh, a very long time. Yeah, I know. I, I'm with you. And I loved watching uh, Brian Reynolds smoke four home runs here in the first five games. I saw, what, that's the first time that's happened since like 19, oh, sorry, uh, Reggie Sanders did it in 2003. Willie Stargell did it in 1971. So I think his price tag might be going up a little bit. Well, I mean, he did bet, you know, kind of bet on himself. And and, and so far, I, I put on Facebook and a, a group I'm in, the, you know, and the standoff between him and Nutting, so far he's winning. Now, baseball's a long season. I'm very cautious of overreacting. I, I'm, a, you know, in NFL, I always call week one jump to conclusions week, and we're still in week one of baseball. So it, it usually takes, I think, 30 to 60 games in baseball to really let the, the you know, water seeks its own level. You're going to have some teams that get off to horrible starts that aren't really bad. You're going to have teams that get off to great starts that aren't really good. So let's see what happens. We'll come back to this, how good is the team. But there's still a lot to be excited about, even if the the team results aren't quite as good going forward. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the rules because, you know, time's getting away from us here. Uh, I saw some research regarding stolen bases so far this year that caught my eye. In the first four days of 2022, last year, there were 49 games played, 29 stolen bases, 14 caught stealing. In the first four days of this season, in 50 games played, 70 stolen bases, and only, again, 14 caught stealing. That's an 85% success rate. And the time on the games has dropped by 30 minutes. One game was just about two hours. So what are your thoughts on the rules so far? I, I, I don't think there's anybody who looks at this subjectively and doesn't see it as a massive success for baseball. It's done two things. One, and, and I, Theo Epstein, who used to be the general manager of the Cubs and the Red Sox and is now in baseball trying to improve the game, the experience, he has said many times, don't look at the time of the game, look at the pace of the game. And he's right. Even in the 10-9 games, the pace is better. If it goes 305 or 310, okay, but the pace is is great. And that, you know, you're right, the, the Pirates played a two-hour and 15-minute game last week. It's it's more enjoyable. And I'm a diehard, man. Mm-hmm. I've been watching these games since I was a little kid on my grandfather's lap. And it got boring. It really did. And now it's like, this isn't so bad. You know, I'm I, it's not, and I can't wait to go to a game and sit through it. Um you, you talk about the stolen bases, and I think the three of us were on this before the season. We talked about that we thought that the speed was going to come back, the rule changes, the bases. And I'm going to point out that, that, that the most important thing isn't the number of steals, but the success rate. Because the really smart minds in the, in the front offices, 
they do the calculation and say, okay, if you're not successful 75-ish percent of the time, it's not worth the effort. But if you're at 80, all of a sudden they're like, hey, let's go. Let's let's try to have this small ball game. And you're going to see teams building in different ways. And that's what the game needs. Every sport needs different ways to skin that cat. So I'm really excited about this. Again, I want to see 30 to 60 games and see what happens and make sure that this isn't, you know, teams always adjust. Smart people, you know, coaches are always about defense, so they're going to try to find ways to combat this. But I like what I'm seeing. And I did like what I saw out of Mitch Keller today. He went seven seven innings. I don't know how far you got in your game, but only gave up one earned run. That's really encouraging, especially with JT Brubaker potentially going on the shelf for the entire season. Yeah, that, that the Brubaker thing is, is tough, but... I, I, what we saw out of Keller today was good, but I even liked what I saw out of him on opening day because he didn't have his good stuff. That was obvious. He couldn't get his breaking ball to spin right, and he fought through it. And that's when I see a pitcher being great is when they can go out there and grind and battle and not get blown off the field in two innings when you just don't have the good stuff. So that, that was a big moment for him. All right, well, we have uh, just uh, one last segment in in honor of Dave Herzing, who couldn't be here tonight, but we're going to get lost. He'll be back next week, but we're going to get lost here. Just stay with us on Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. We're doing our annual spring cleaning, and my hubby has boxes and boxes of old baseball cards. Take them to Wolf's Den Sports Cards and Collectibles. My dad passed, and he was an avid baseball and football card collector. I have no clue what they're worth. Wolfstead Sports Cards and Collectibles does. They buy, sell, and trade cards and collectibles and are especially interested in older cards. Bring them in Mondays and Fridays from 5 till 8 or by appointment. 814-771-5618. Main Street, Reynoldsville and Wolfstead Sports 21 on Facebook. Don't worry, the Easter Bunny is eating plenty of carrots and greens, so he is sure to deliver those eggs in baskets. <laughs> Main Street Eye Care is keeping my eyes top-notch. Spring break is coming up, a perfect time to schedule your child for a checkup at Main Street Eye Care. From comprehensive exams to lenses and frames, make an appointment with Dr. Shaw today at MainStreetEyeCare.com or call 814-375-0125. Your eyes will be very happy. <laughs> Main Street Do Boys and MainStreetEyeCare.com. Hey, what are you doing? Shopping. Online? Well, it is convenient. You think? Look, with supply line issues and shipping issues, not to mention porch bandits, it's best just to go right to the store and shop local. Not only when you buy something, you bring it home the same day, but your purchase helps the community, makes local shops more sustainable, and you get fresher products and produce. Plus, shopping is fun. I do love trying on clothing, smelling candles, and I get to meet the owners and creators. You're right, shopping local is convenient and a good thing for me and the local economy. So let's get shopping at local businesses like Tony Kalbaki's Barbershop in business for over 35 years. The new Day Spa Tan in Dubois, located Brady Street, and the Dubois Area Chamber of Commerce, making Dubois a better place to live, work, and thrive. Shop local first, all across the area, shop here first. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. 
Well, and it's our favorite segment of the week, and normally uh, D uh, brings us back with this, but unfortunately he couldn't be here tonight, and we certainly miss him, and we're looking forward to having him back next week. But it's D's segment, it's the Get Lost segment, and uh, Bob, I know it's almost like beating a dead horse, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hashtag Get Lost, Ron Hextall, this, this experiment has been a failure, this roster doesn't work, and it's time for change. Yeah, let me just remind everybody that uh, Michael Granlin's played 17 games. He has one goal. You know what he makes? $5 million. That's the same amount as Jared McCann, who is almost at 40 goals. So get lost, Ron Hextall. Get lost on-field marriage proposals at sporting oh, events. Oh did, oh, did you see that when that guy got tackled? What, I mean, what a loon. I mean, come on, just stay in the stands. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Maybe we could ask Ray Fittipaldo if that guy's in the NFL draft. <laughs> He's a good linebacker. And get lost 162-game re- regular season in MLB. I just think the season's too long. We, could go in, we need to go into that in a, a further review segment, but I agree with you. Um, So that's it. We got to get lost, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.